Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Grace Avenue Church, great to be with you today. How are you? Merry Christmas, early Christmas. Holidays are here, coats are out, it's rainy, it's nasty out there, but it's better than 120 degree weather. Amen? Amen. And the church said, Amen. All right. Uh, Hey, we're jumping into a new series this week. Uh, We're talking about miracles. Obviously, we were singing about miracles just a, a few moments ago. So powerful to be able to sing in faith about the miraculous opportunities that come before us and a miraculous God and a, and a God who actually does miracles. And today I'm going to be talking about Jesus, who is the miracle in the darkness. In Genesis, the very first thing we hear God say is, let there be light. So he's light in this darkness. And he echoes this reality in John chapter 8 in the New Testament. Jesus says this, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One more time. Jesus spoke to them. He's speaking to the Pharisees, and he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this particular passage in this verse, it's one of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. He says several things throughout Throughout this book, and he says, he says, I'm the bread of life, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd. So he's making these declarative, bold uh, statements that don't kind of leave you any room to uh, think otherwise. Uh, th- these would be, almost be uh, offensive, especially to who he was speaking to at the time. Uh, he's basically saying, I am what I am. We see that Moses spoke with God. And we see that in the Old Testament, God said, I am. And here Jesus in the New Testament is declaring who he is in this moment. Now, he's saying this beautiful and bold statement that really is such a foundation for our faith. He says, I'm the light of the world. Now, we think about our world. Our world is full of darkness. Amen? I mean, you can't can't turn on the news. You can't get up in the morning without the reality of, you know, impending, you know, intruding darkness happening pretty much anywhere and everywhere that we see, from schools to politics to to businesses, sometimes even churches. You see craziness out there, and you go, my God, what is going on? If you're getting older, you say that. My God, what is going on in this world? It's darkness. It's the darkness of the world. And if you recognize the reality that the world has an opinion on how the darkness should be resolved, Jesus upended that and flipped it on its head and says, I'm the light of the world. It's not education. It's not politics. It's not financial reform. It's not this politician or this celebrity. It's not this musician. It's not this person. I am the light of the world. Now, various people play all kinds of parts in redemption of the world, but Jesus was declaring, it starts and ends with me. I'm the light of the world. Now think about it for a moment when you're in darkness, uh, maybe when you're going to the bathroom in the middle of the night, 
or you're, you're getting up and the, and the lights are out, or the power goes out. Uh, who, who are the people that, like me, put their hands out in front of their face, and you're feeling your way through things, like a zombie, right? Now, I do that. Why? I don't know. I have this fear that, like, something's going to stab me in the face. That's why I put my hands way out here. Now, there's nothing at, at face level in my house that would do that, but I still do that just by habit, by nature, because I'm feeling my way through the darkness. The darkness has left me uncomfortable with my pace. It's left me uncomfortable with my steps. Uh, I'm not confident in where I'm going. And this is what darkness does. It changes your pace. It keeps you from having confidence in moving forward at the pace you could be going if you could see, if light was there. So darkness comes to us in different ways. Sometimes we feel the darkness. Dark seasons, dark moments, dark things we go through. Crazy stuff. Stuff we don't know how we survived. Reasons why we don't know why we should be here. How we're still alive. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? How did I get through that? How did I get through that emotionally? How did I get through that physically? How did they not completely wreck my life? How did I not completely wreck my life? Life is made up of dark moments and dark seasons. Sometimes it's just a moment. You go through it. It was like a cloud. It hit you. It kind of overcame you for a little while, but then the cloud moved, and you pushed through. And then there are seasons where sometimes it feels like a long time, where you're having to plow through things. Some of those seasons are seasons of healing and wholeness. Rehab hurts, but God is bringing you through it. And what may feel like a season of darkness is actually a season oftentimes of just healing and God rehabilitating your spirit and your mind for what he has next, okay? But darkness restricts your ability to make fast forward progress, right? Especially at night. You're, you're kind of feeling your way and then you're trying to find the switch and you finally find it and you flip it on, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, you can see. Your pace changes. Your confidence changes, okay? This is an emphatic statement by Jesus. I am the light of the world. Okay? Now, notice he doesn't say, I'm one of the lights in the world. I'm one of the ways in which you can whatever. He, he says it as if there is no one else and nothing else. Kind of like how Cowboys fans call themselves America's team <laughs> since the late 70s. Declaring for all 330-plus Americans in the U.S. that they are the team for everybody. That's pretty bold, huh? It's pretty arrogant, I would say. It's pretty offensive. Do they not consider that other people have teams? He was proud. People wearing his hat proudly in this church. How dare he? Ushers, please remove this man from the building, right? Our security off the premises, right? Jesus' statement is that offensive to the Pharisees and to the people of that day. He's basically declaring there is no one else and there is no other way. And he doesn't say that he's a form of light. He doesn't say that there, he's one of the ways in which light shines. He doesn't say, hey, you know, uh, try me if other things haven't worked out. I'm cheaper on Amazon than I am at Walmart. Try me. It's a good deal. He declares, I'm the light. And what this world needs I've come to bring that light. And then he goes on and says, whoever follows me. 
In other words, who, whoever daily, experientially walks this life out with Jesus in faith. Not whoever made a decision a long time ago. He's talking about following him as, as in the sense of step-by-step, step, daily, walking with him through the, the ifs, ands, and buts of life, the ups and the downs, the here and there, anything and everything. He's saying, whoever is following me in that manner, okay, will not walk in darkness. It doesn't say, well, we'll see darkness eliminated. It says darkness is present, but you won't walk in and submerged in the darkness. Right? It'll try and drown you, no doubt. But it won't. Because he's saying, I'm the light. I'm the light that changes darkness. See, this, this world is dark. It, it invades kind of every area that we can turn our eyes to, that we see. Turn on the news, read our feeds, look at all kinds of stuff. It's just constant feeling darkness, seeing darkness, experiencing dark times in our own life. But just because we experience darkness doesn't mean that we have to live in it spiritually, emotionally, or mentally. Jesus came to, to not just be the light, but to bring that light and to let that light shine in us and through us. Okay, um, sometimes I have found that the dark times are the times God wants to use you the most. Like, I've heard people over the years say, man, that was one of the best messages I've ever heard. And if people really knew what I was going through in that moment, they'd be blown away. And sometimes the reality is that God is pulling something out of you that life doesn't, it doesn't feel like it matches up with what's going on in life. So I just want to encourage you this morning to know that sometimes God will call you to be the mom, the husband, the dad, the brother, the friend, the boss that you don't necessarily feel like being, but God is using it in spite of what you feel. Because it's not your light, it's his light. It's not your strength, it's his. It's not your power, it's his. Pastor Henry said it earlier, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us. This is what God says, the Holy Spirit has been deposited and we now walk in this power. And that power is not to be, be thought of lightly. There's to be a, a holiness and a sense of reverence for the fact that God gives us power to overcome this world because it's always knocking on the door, trying to break in, trying to kick the door in. Um, years ago, I remember I was at a funeral for one of my friends. Uh, it's right when I first got saved. And I had grown up with this, uh, this kid. We, we played uh, baseball for many years together. And uh, he just... He was always finding himself in all kinds of trouble. Uh, one time he got shot, like bullet missed his heart. He almost passed away. Next time he got into a, a rollover accident where uh, him and two or three others were thrown from the vehicle, banged up in the ICU, uh, laid up there for days. And then there was um, the third time. And every time Halloween comes, I always think of this night because that night he was out partying, went out drinking. Drove himself off the road, ended up dying. Terrible situation. And I had just gotten saved when he passed, when I got the news that he'd passed. And it was, it was disheartening because he'd gotten a scholarship to play baseball at college. He was, uh, but, but there was this um, dark thing around him consistently that he just kept finding himself in. And um, I remember I was at his funeral. And, uh, and like I said, I had, I had newly come to the Lord. And so my heart was 
very fresh and very tender, just listening to, to kind of anything and everything God might be saying or doing. I was on high alert all the time. And we're there at the funeral, and the father is standing, you know, here, and, and all the families lined up. And, and because it was uh, a friend, and he was only college age, there was tons of kids there I'd played baseball with. There were tons of kids there that were uh, in college. It was college, high school, age people. And there were just so many people there at this funeral this night. And they're, and they're walking along, and they're each greeting the family. And the father, who had actually been the coach of us when we were kids, uh, including his son, you know, it was my turn to get up to him. And he kept talking to people and he was saying things to them. And so I just felt this, you know, heavy sense of reality. Like, oh my gosh, I've got to hug this man who was my coach and, and he was his father. And you just, you feel it, right? And get up there, give him a hug. And in that moment of darkness, this father grabs me, he pulls me close, he puts his hand on the back of my head and he says, you take care of your dad and you love your dad because your dad loves you. He knew my dad, he coached with him. So here's this man in this moment, in darkness when he should be crumbling and falling apart, and, and by every you know, right have to say, I don't wanna see anybody, I just, I wanna give a few hugs and I wanna go and just be by myself. He's ministering life to people one by one by one by one. And here's what he's doing. He's saying something individually and uniquely to the person that comes up to him. It's not a random, thanks, I love you, thanks, I love you, thanks. He's speaking life to each person. See, in darkness, sometimes you're thinking, I want to get out of here, and this is when God's saying, I want to show my strength through you. In this moment, when your strength is gone, when your hope is gone, when you don't understand why, when you can't see, this is what I want to show. I am the light of the world. I'm the light at a funeral. I'm the light of hope for eternity. I'm the light in despair. I'm the light to see your victory come through. See, sometimes in the darkness, what you're feeling and experiencing is the impact and the effects of darkness. That's why it can be so emotional. That's why it can be so heavy to, to walk through and, and, and carry. And, you know, um, here's something I've learned trying to minister to people. And, and this is where God had to, to, to really shift some things in my heart. My hope is always that people arrive on the other side and that they're victorious. The problem is I want them there tomorrow. But there are some things that God has been dealing with me on for a long time. And my place in life is to not put a timeline on someone else's victory or someone else's healing but it's to patiently be with them and, and help guide them and support them in and through the thing God is taking them to because the goal is that they would get revelation of him at the end. That he would be the one whose name is declared as the one who did it. As the one who brought them through. Come on. Anybody feel less like judging people right now? <laughs> Come on, just tap him on the shoulder and say, sorry, man, I'll, I'll give you some more grace. God gave me grace. See, Jesus wants to lead us in and out and in and through the darkness. He doesn't want it to overwhelm us. He wants, to get, he wants us to get to that place where we can see and we can think clearly when the chaos is not 
weighing down on us. He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but they will have the light of life. That light meaning divine illumination to reveal and impart life through Christ. See, in, in that funeral, he, that man was imparting life and light and hope and love, right? And at the same time, he had to have that revelation for himself. He couldn't push it away. He didn't use his circumstances, not even the death of his son, to push away the reality that he has the opportunity to sow life and light into people. So Jesus says this, that, that, that we will have the light, have as in, as in obtain, right? If, if you give me a million dollars and I have it, I've obtained it. I have it. It's mine. It's in my hands, right? If I have something, I've obtained it. I've taken hold of it. And so he's <clears throat> saying this in the sense of that th this is something that's been completed in your life. This has been given to you. It's done. You have the light of Jesus Christ in your life. It's in you. It's on you. Okay, so number one, he's the light who shows us the way. Jesus is the light who show this the way, shows us the way. Now, let's think about this. We're talking about Jesus, who is the miracle in the darkness. In any and all darkness that we experience, that we see, Jesus is the miracle. Think about that, the, the miracle of who Jesus is. What hope would we have if we did not have Jesus in our life in the darkest times in life? Right? There's no Netflix series that compares. There's no bonus check. Look, when your soul is depleted and you have nothing left and all you're running is on is fumes, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for worship. Thank God for prayer. Thank God for his peace that passes all understanding. See, that verse makes a lot more sense when you've been through something. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that other people go, how can you be at peace in the midst of what you're walking through or what you're going through? Are they faking? Is it not real? No, it's a peace that God gives. And he says, you have this light. So he's the light who shows us the way. Now, why the way? Because there are times in life where we don't know which way to go, where you don't know which way to go, where you've done everything you can, everything humanly possible to put the right pieces in place, repented, repented for not repenting faster. God, if there's anything, what have I missed? What have I done? Where am I not getting it? What is going on? Is this my fault? Did I do this to myself? Come on, you've gone through the whole ringer of options. Now, some people never get there. They just blame everyone else. That's a whole other sermon. But I'm talking about people who've done the work and said, Lord, where do I stand in your sight in relation to what you've called me to do? Have I missed the mark somewhere? Am I missing opportunities? Have I not heard your voice? Did I disobey your voice? Did I do what I wanted to do, but I said this is what you wanted me to do? Come on. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And in darkness, God wants to direct your path. God wants to direct it. And his word is a lamp to our feet, to the first few steps we have to take. It's a light to the path, the, the steps that are further ahead, that which is ahead. 
And there will be a place in life that overwhelms you. And I don't know what that area is. But sometimes it's parenting. Sometimes it's the job situation. Sometimes it's the financial situation. Sometimes it seems like you just got this sorted out, and now this is blowing up over here. And then once you sorted that out, now this over here, you didn't realize this was going on. And then you turn your back to deal with this, and now this is happening over here. It's like a Chuck E. Cheese, that whack-a-mole game. Remember that? Wham, wham. Jesus, take care of this. Bam. Jesus, take care of this. Bam. And you're knocking these things out. But what's happening is you're, you're not letting the darkness take over you because you're still moving. And you're bringing these things to God, and you're bringing these things to the light. You're not giving up. But there will be times where you feel like giving up, where you feel overwhelmed, okay? And, and as, as, as parents, there'll be stuff that your kids are walking through that they're doing that you're like, we, we, I pulled our whole generation, a whole generation, a lineage, out of that foolishness that you're walking through, and you're diving right into it. Because they can't see or sense the greatness of salvation yet. They can't see what they've been saved from. But you can. You know the danger of the street, right? You know the danger because you know the greatness of what you've been saved from. But it takes time for God to send others through his path so that people can see the goodness of God. How great is our God? How can you sing that if you don't know God is great? He's the God of miracles. How can we sing that if you haven't seen him? Number one, in your own life, taking your twisted heart and making it whole and bringing it to a place of healing. So you have decisions to make for work, for kids, for life, for family. And oftentimes, you know, we're looking for the big answer. So we go to Google instead of God. <laughs> Sometimes I think Google has been a bigger disservice to us because it's not Google who lights our path and lights our way. It's God. And time, often, looking for other answers is missed opportunity to be spent with God. This half of the room doesn't believe me yet. They're still going to try and Google it tomorrow. <laughs> the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way. And Jesus is the light who shows us the way. So there's a way we often think is right, but it's not right. But we thought it was right. We want it to be right, but it's not right. And he's the way. He's the light who shows us the way. Number two, he's the light who searches us and knows us. He's the light who searches us and knows us. Come on, ladies, when you put makeup on in the morning, you want some of the best light possible, correct? <laughs> I have learned these things with many women in my house. You need good light. 20 years, my wife's complaining about the light, the light. This is terrible light. This is horrible light in this bathroom. This is horrible light in this house. This is horrible light in this living room. We need better light in here. Amen. Listen to that. Support. <laughs> the women rally behind support for each other. See, light shines and it searches us and it knows us. And when you put your makeup on, you can search and you can know what you're doing, right? Okay, but here, this prayer, search me, O God. Know my heart and test me and know my anxious thought. Just as, as good light reveals so much. Here in the same way, this prayer, the light of who Jesus is, 
reveals so much about our life and our heart. Now, this is a bold prayer. I don't know when the last time you prayed this was, but look what he's, look what he's saying. Search me? Who, who feels uh, a cold sweat anytime the cops pull you over? Uh, who remembers uh, what it used to feel like when there were certain things in the car that should not be in the car and the cops pulled you over and that sweat came over you and the adrenaline rushed? How do I know that? We're not going to go into that. There were many times I'm not going to go into that. But nevertheless, what I'm saying is your adrenaline is rushing. You're praying like you've never prayed before. I mean, you could have the devil in the front seat right there with you, but you're still praying to Jesus, Lord, get me out of this mess. And so you're praying that more. Why? Because this sense of a search could take place. Now, this is a bold prayer where he's saying, search my heart. Shine the light in my heart. Shine the light on me, God. And then he goes even further. Test me. Test my heart. Test my life. Test my mind. Come on, that's a bold prayer. To say, God, I've spent time in your, in your word and in your presence. I'm walking out this life righteously. Test me, God. Search me. When you want to live a life of integrity, when you want to live a life dedicated to God, you have no problem praying that. When you want to live a little bit shady, <laughs> who lives right next door to sinful, you don't want to pray this. Okay, that got real quiet. Lord, <laughs> heal the shadiness today. See, often we're saying, I'm fine. I'll get through this. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll be, I'll be good. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah, we're making it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're dealing with this. We're dealing with that. Yeah, yeah. Just very surface. And so a lot of times we don't even get practice articulating what it is that we actually feel about what we're going through. We feel it, but we haven't articulated what we feel. And so it takes a good counselor, a good friend, a good mentor, a good leader, a good pastor, someone, someone who has insight, who like a well can draw out the reality of what we're walking through, help us articulate it. In the same way, this is how we can go to God. We can articulate how we feel, our anger, our disappointment, our hurt, our frustration, our confusion. Now, often we don't do that with people because we say, I, just didn't, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. Has anybody ever said that before? I don't want to burden, man, they got their own stuff going on. I don't want to, I don't want to burden people with this. I just got through that and now I got to tell them, I don't want to tell, you know. And so you just kind of shrink back and the problem is then you start to carry the burden yourself. If you don't offload it to God, you carry it yourself. And then if you're not careful, the devil will confuse you and you'll start wearing it like a badge of honor. And you'll use it to stiff arm people and keep people out and, and push people back. And I'm going through my stuff. Can't you see what I'm going through? Look at this badge right here. Don't you see? My life is falling apart. Look what it says. It says, my life is falling apart. Can't you read that? Can't you see that? Get out of my face. I'm not healed. Can't you tell? Come on. When your spirit is in a funk and you're wearing it as a badge of honor, you're missing opportunities like this father at his son's funeral to be light to others in the midst of your darkness. Why? You're relying on your own strength to get you out of the darkness rather than leaning on the strength of God to show you what he's capable of, right? See, you have to get rid of the fantasy that there's going to be a time where there will never be another opportunity for something to go wrong in your life. Because sometimes I think these are the underlying prayers that we're actually praying to God. 
God, I just don't want anything else bad to go on. No more bad things. No more stuff. Jesus did say that we will have trouble. But he told us to take heart because he had overcome the world. Overcome it. It hadn't swallowed him up. It was defeated. See, we often don't want to burden people. But you're never a burden to God. You're never a burden to God. Your broken heart's not a burden to God. Your disappointment given to God is not a burden to God. Your hatred is not a burden to God. God feels, God understands. But unless we bring it to him, then we're carrying around the weight. One suitcase looks okay when somebody's walking through the airport. Ten of them looks overwhelming. Ten of them means somebody didn't offload something and they're trying to do it all themselves. Jesus is the light who searches us and knows us. And when he shines the light in areas, that's the opportunity for us to give it over to him. Through devotion, through prayer, through worship. There's no greater place for me than worship and the presence of God for me to be able to just offload. Because I'm, I'm too real. I, I can't sing words that I don't mean. I can't do it. It's, it's, it's fake. I could try and do it in faith, but God's going to cut through. It's just a matter of time. So I can't sing about miracles and not realign my heart to a place that God is capable of miracles. Because faith calls us to be at this level. right? I, I can't sing about great forgiveness if, if I'm holding on to things. right? And so in order to do that, you have to avoid worship. You have to avoid prayer. You have to avoid accountability. You have to avoid searching your heart. You have to avoid the light. And that's not good. Are you with me? Number three, he's the light who reveals the works and the strategies of the devil. He's the light who reveals the works and strategies of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to put on this armor that it is a spiritual application that as a believer, we're not here to just simply get up and it's our intellect, in our bank account, in our talents, uh, in our relationships, in our connections, in our personality. That is the armor that keeps us going. There's a spiritual armor, he says, that we're to put on literally to be able to be who God has called us to be in this world. Why? Because there's a battle. There's a battle for our mind. There's a battle for our kids. Come on, look at all the perversion we just keep seeing happening in the news week after week after week after week. Teachers in schools, politics, corruption, people in churches, people in high places of celebrity, people in high places of politics, filth and corruption and perversion at the most base, disgusting levels. Hello? Are we watching the same world go by? Hello? Are we watching this? That's the armor that is prepared for us to engage in the reality of that world. It's coming for you and coming for your kids. And so we can't get lost in the funk of how dark it is. I can't believe there's war. There's bombs going off. There's darkness. You're darn right there is. And you better be armored up and ready to deal with it. 
Because when the bullets are flying and the bombs are going off, it's too late to put the armor on. You need to be ready. You ever seen a movie where, where uh, a guy gets shot, you know, and you th- he's like a main character, then he goes down, and then, you know, you think he's gone. Like, oh, no. And then he gets up, and he pulls the bulletproof vest off, and he's going, <gasps> why do they all breathe like that? Is that how it hurts? Like, does it really? I don't want to test it to find out, but I'm assuming it must hurt when six bullets hit you in the chest, and you pull the vest off, and he's bruised, sometimes bleeding because it penetrated the skin on the top layer of skin. But you see this, this reality that it was the armor that protected the attack that was coming at him. And without the armor, you get the sense in the reality. Without the armor, he would have been a goner. Okay, this is the reality for us as Christians. The Bible says that the accuser, that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, that he stands before God night and day, accusing, 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 accusing. You ever had somebody blame you for something or accuse you? Imagine, this is what the enemy does minute after minute, day after day, spiritually. This is what he's doing to unravel what you feel about God, unravel and disassemble what you've already built, to destabilize the ground you've already taken. This is the strategy of the enemy. The Bible actually tells us that we're to be people who are aware of the schemes, the lies, and the strategies of the enemy. Come on, you need more than a morning devo to deal with this. You need the armor of God. And not only do you need the armor of God, you need walking in that light daily and consistently so that you don't slip. Come on, people do this with their eating. Oh, I gotta eat right, gotta be on track. Oh, I gotta get to the gym, gotta be on track. Finances, gotta be on track, right? My career, my education. We're lining up all those things. Those things are not the armor. The armor is spiritual. And it starts with a humility of mind that says, I can't go to battle without this. My personality won't get me there. The promotion won't get me there. Who I know, what connections I have. Come on, we see people every single day ascend to the highest heights of life in celebrity, money, power, politics, art, music, you name it. They get there and they come crashing down just as much as any one of us because it's not enough to get what you want. It's not enough to pray prayers to get to that place or that next thing. It's to be prepared when you get there to handle the next strategy that the enemy has. So you've been made for more than just coming to church and having a nice little Jesus title over your life, that you're saved, that you're a Christian. If we're going to do life the way Jesus told us life is really like this, then we have to understand there is a real enemy who wants to destroy us. And just when he gets through with you, he starts with your kids. And then when he can't get to your kids, then he tries with your grandkids. Strategies. See, as long as we're in this world, we'll be subject to it. Not to be fearful of it, but to be aware of it. Come on, you're not fearful anybody's going to really break in your house, but you lock your doors anyway. You lock your car anyway. You turn certain lights on. You have certain perimeters. You have, some of you have video cameras. Some of you have alarms on your house or your car. Why? You're prepared in case something invades. Right? Spiritually, this is the same way. We're prepared in the event so that we can stand against what the Bible says, schemes, strategies. You ever met somebody who's just shady? Just shady. Like, hey, what's going on, man? And even when they slap your hand, you're like, oh, man, I need to take a shower. This dude's got shadiness all over him. 
the schemes of the devil. Jesus wants the light to shine on the schemes. Can you imagine something that was set out to destroy you or your life or your marriage? And because the light of life comes on it, it's revealed. Through prayer, through a friend, you are open. That's why it's so important to pray with one another about situations. Because sometimes I'm not getting the answer, but my friend's getting the answer. Another one of our pastors is getting the answer. Instead of trying to do it on my own, where the Lord comes through somebody else. Okay, last point. You still with me? Hang with me just a few more minutes. All right, last point. He's the light who leads us out of the darkness. He's the light who leads us out of the darkness. Again, going back to that verse, John chapter 8. I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, whoever follows me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. You'll have it. He's the light that leads us out of darkness. Here's the the thing about darkness is when you find yourself in it and when you find yourself going through it, in the same way that when you get up and you're feeling around for the light switch, sometimes it's the same way that you're doing this through prayer. Because remember, sometimes darkness comes in moments, but sometimes it comes in seasons. And so the way you feel your way for the light switch, like you keep going until you finally get there. And then you flip the switch and things are illuminated and all of a sudden you have a lot more confidence because the uncertainty of the darkness has been lifted off of you. And in the same way, the truth of God's life and his light lifts the uncertainty that we find in fear, in disappointment, in hatred, when there's been injustice, when people have accused us or treated us improperly or wrong. We have to take those seasons through prayer. We have to not let the darkness come over into our life and begin to affect our speech and our heart and our mind. See, the greatest, I think, temptation in the darkness is to just think it's always going to be this way. And to just give up. We see it all the time. But maybe why God wanted you to be here this morning was for you to feel around for the light. The light that's him in this situation. The light that's him in this circumstance. Just like that father at the funeral. Was able to bring life and light in that moment. Maybe faith could call you to another place. Come on, we started this year saying faith forward. Come on, have you started retreating this year? The year's rounding out. Has it been more of a retreat for you? Have the attacks come? Has the pushback come? Has the weight come? And now it's not faith forward. It's faith just hanging on. It's faith neutral. See, the problem with neutral is you're not gaining ground, so you're losing ground. That father, um, I actually have uh, old photos, an old photo of his son. We were at recess together when we were, we were kids. Did they still do recess in school? Do they call it that? Do they call it playtime or something? I don't know. Everything gets reworded, recess. You go out and you play for 30 minutes. And I have this kid 
friend of mine who passed away. This is back in the day when you take cameras. It was I don't know. Is anybody old enough to remember the 35 millimeter ones? You get the film, the the film from Eckerd's or wherever it was, and you right, and you just and you have that click, right? I was too broke to afford the little cubes that could go on top. I like I had, I was in fifth grade. I didn't have a job, but as long as you were in good light, it would take a good photo. And then you would go to the store, and they would say, "Do you want doubles?" Why? Because one for them, one for me. They would do two prints of this. I have these prints of this kid from when we were a kid. Uh, we were kids at recess on the playground. He's holding this soccer ball and he's like flexing and he's smiling. And his parents have never seen this photo. And I've never told him about it. I've never seen it. I haven't even really seen him in probably almost 25 years. But recently I went out to my friend's gravesite a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of just living in some old memories. And I saw his grave and I thought, man, I... I want to give his parents, There's, they're in their older years now, but I want to give them this photo, a photo that they've never seen of their kid. I'm the only one that's had it for all these years to just bless it with them, put a smile on their face. You know, that man in that dark moment, instead of caving in, he gave life, he gave hope, and he gave direction. I want to challenge you this morning. I know the condition of the world. I know what's going on. Yes, I see it all the same. The, the politics, the economy, everything. I, I hear it. I see it. I live in the same world. Okay. But can we take hope in Jesus, who's the light that says that the darkness that we see, feel, and experience is not going to overwhelm us. In fact, we're not going to walk in that darkness. We're going to have the light of life in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. I want to pray for you. Would you stand up this morning? I want to pray. Because each one of us are walking through unique situations in life. And what I want to pray is that whatever's been clouding your life, your heart and your mind here's a good way have you stopped praying this this is a good way to be able to tell that the darkness has has clouded your faith is that you're not praying it's you stopped praying you just kind of pushed it back you're just going through the motions you stop praying there's no communication between you and the lord or yet maybe this is even more of a challenge some of you you don't pray at all just you don't so what you're doing is you're you're saying I've got this God until I can't breathe anymore I've got this a time will come sooner than you think Jesus modeled prayer for us so clear I spoke on this a few weeks ago like if this church is going to be known for anything let's be at the church that prays and hears the Lord together amen Come on, they, they do this, they do that. That's all great. But do they pray and hear the Lord together? Is that a church that hears the Lord, that knows the Lord? They walk with Him. Do they actually walk with Him? Are they just busy doing all this stuff? Taking pictures and having fun and going to services and working for the Lord, but never meeting with Him. Come on, that can't be us. We got to be a people who are in relationship with our God. I'm being challenged by this more than ever. More than ever right now. I want to know that when I say, God, search my heart, 
And when he does it, he's pleased with what he finds. Amen. Let me pray for you, whatever darkness you're walking through. Lord God, thank you that you're the light of life. I pray, firstly, Lord, I pray for broken hearts right now and disappointment and darkness that is trying to invade and bring people to a place of hopelessness, discouragement, some people wanting to quit, some people saying, I've had enough, that's it. Lord, I pray right now that you would stir in them a victorious voice of the Lord. Lord, that they would hear you calling them forward, moving them forward, giving them the strength and the energy they need to do what you've called them to do. Lord, I pray for those who need to be encouraged right now. Those who need to be lifted up. Maybe they find themselves in the dark night of the soul. Lord God, lift them. Lift their spirit right now in Jesus' name. Lord God, for those who've shut you out of the process, Lord, help them begin to articulate what they feel so that they can walk with you. God, for those who've crowned someone or something else king in your place, Lord, dethrone them right now and that thing. And Lord, take your proper place in their life as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, this morning where people have stopped praying, let them begin again. Let them daily walk with you. Nothing too big, nothing too small. Lord, for those who've been carrying this weight all by themselves for so long, The word of the Lord to you is to humble yourself before him. The Bible says when you humble yourself, God exalts you. God picks you up. God pulls you up. So Lord, lift. Lift them right now. We pray for victory over every scheme of the enemy, every strategy of the devil. We thank you, God, that you're going to bring light revelation in Jesus mighty name Jesus is the miracle in our darkness amen he's the miracle in our Come on, let's just give him a hand and thank him for his good work in our lives. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.